Open up your Bible to 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. We've been in a series. Now this is week number five. We'll probably go a few more Sundays on this, but 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, and the title of it is called Two Worlds. You could just as easily say two realms, but we know this, that this world will not last forever. Now, most people think, yeah, I'll die. Yeah, that's true. But the world will not last forever. You won't, but the world won't either. It'll be changed. Heaven and earth, the Bible said, will pass away. In other words, the heavens, not heaven where God dwells. But he said, my word will live on forever. So that's an interesting statement. He said, this world will pass away. It'll change. When the Lord comes back to rule here on the earth, this world will not be like this world is today. It'll be completely changed. The heavens will change. Different things will change. But he said heaven itself, the literal heaven, will go on forever and ever, and so will his word. So we know that there is another realm. We all, all that have some kind of Christian influence in their life or, you know, Bible influence, as a kid, know there is another realm. Because we pray, your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven, or you could say the other world, the unseen realm. And then there's loads of other scriptures, but that statement right there is huge, that God wants his will from there here. That means it's not always being done, or he would just say, it's automatic. So 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, how do we live in this other realm or partake of it? And you understand this, we, we live in this physical world, but we are supposed to be able to partake of things from the heavenly realm. That's God's design. Salvation is not physical. You with me? What Jesus paid for for everybody is not physical. It's unseen. And we need to get it from there into our own hearts. And then our lives change and our lives are seen. You get it? So spiritual things are real. So 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 says this. For we walk by faith. How do we walk? We walk, and notice the phrase, we walk. Now, it didn't just say, have faith. He didn't just say, be a faith person. He said, we walk by faith. Have you ever walked anywhere? At least sometime? Do you know that when you walked, you actually took steps. And here he said, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, we know that can't mean physical sight because then if you're going to be, you know, a good Christian, you're going to have to walk around with your eyes closed. Serious. Because we got to act on the word. This is going to be fun to watch everybody. Well, no, we can't even see them. 
I was going to say it'd be fun to watch everybody leave, but if we're walking by faith and not by sight, we all have to have our eyes closed. Could you imagine one of the biggest stories right now is, you know, that driverless car that hit somebody again, and now we're like, oh my goodness. Could you imagine if we had surveillance cameras in our parking lot, and then we all left like this? We could get free advertisement for our church beyond means. Could you imagine everybody leaves with their eyes closed driving? I mean, let me move my car first. Then, then I'm, I'd like to see this. No, I wouldn't. But so when he said we walk by faith and not by sight, he doesn't mean physical sight. He meant by the senses, things that are perceived by the senses. Now, you understand this. Things that are perceived by the senses, you could touch this thing right here. You, you could look at this thing. You could get down and smell it. I tapped it. I actually heard something from it. And so he said, really, when he's talking about this, he's talking about living by faith or things that are not always recognized in the sense realm. And so we said this concerning faith, the Amplified says, now faith is the assurance. Now we're to walk by faith. So this is that faith we're to walk by. Faith is the title deed or the confirmation. And we get confirmations when we order something online. We get more than one. We'll look at in our bank account and it'll say, they took the money. You got the thing yet? No. But you got a confirmation number, so you're convinced it's yours, right? You're just waiting to see it. But he said, faith is the confirmation of things we hope for. It's the divinely guaranteed, and it's the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact. So, so when we want to know what faith looks like, to recognize what is faith? Faith is something in you that comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Now, I added this word, yet. In other words, the majority of people will not see Jesus physically before he comes back. But we're convinced of him. We know him. We've experienced him. But it's not always with a physical touch. You with me? But the Bible said, believing, we rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. And so he said here, there is a walk we're to walk. It's called the walk of faith. And we're to walk by faith and not by sight. In other words, he's saying this, we need to connect with the unseen. We live in a parallel world, so to speak, where there is a seen, touched, felt, but then there's an unseen, and there are forces there, and the world is confused about them. And they'll say, well, we don't understand why these people murdered these people, and why these people act like this. And why this occurs. And they don't know. I'll be honest with you. I believe a lot of our political stuff. Chunks of our political stuff. That is occurring today. With attacks and things. Are motivated by wicked things. 
I didn't say I agree with the people that are in office or whatever. I'm not trying to be political, but wars happen. I've been praying for a while now about North Korea. Because, you know, before the Lord comes, the gospel has to be preached to all creation. So God is for that country knowing the truth. So I've been praying for a while, and I'm sure a lot of people have. Lord, change that man. Have him open up that country. I believe it's a spiritual thing, not a presidential thing. You with me? A president could be used, and it be spiritual, but I believe there's prayers from lots of people. And I mean for China and other places to open up. But those things are usually backed by my understanding of Scripture by spiritual forces. And so we talked about faith being the key to walking effectively in this life. And so if you will, turn to Romans, the fourth chapter. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. I would encourage you to get the CD or, or listen to it online because I'm going to read over the same set of scriptures. If you are here last week, you're going to notice I'm not touching on the same things I touched on last week. Romans, the fourth chapter, and we'll begin in the 12th verse. It says this. Now, this is a story about Abraham and how he walked with God and how Abraham got a miracle, a real, live, living miracle in his life. And then we saw this last week. He is the father of faith to those who believe and that all the blessings come through him. God put them on him and then they come through him. But we're not going to go back and look at that. But this part right here, it says in verse 12, and the father of circumcision, that means the people who keep the law, to those who not only are of the circumcision, but also who walk in the steps of the faith, which our father Abraham had while uncircumcised. So Abraham is not only the head over the Israel people, you know, the Jewish people, as we call them, but he is also the over those, so to speak, or the father of those who walk in the faith that he had. But notice this phrase right here, right in the middle. It says, who also walk in the steps of the faith, which our father Abraham had while he was still uncircumcised. In other words, before he got the sign of the covenant and all that, he walked in certain steps of faith. Now, we're to walk by faith and not by sight, but notice he had steps to his faith. And we read last week that we are to walk in this same kind of faith. And without going back into it, here he said there are steps to this faith. I mean, if you get, you know, some new thing today at Costco, one of those big playground sets, and you go home, you will find that it's got a little book there called the whatever, owner's manual, but it's how to put the thing together. And the first page will say one, two, three, four, five. And men and people who know everything don't need that. There's no need for that. 
I can do this. And then, and I've done this before. Well, let me say, I know people who have done this before. They'll get like, forget those first few pages, go to four or five. And you know, when you do that, I've done it before and got the thing together and the thing just didn't fit right. And you're bending and you're like, oh, it said put this in before that, then it works. That's why. Now I got to disassemble, reassemble, and I, my thing was looking good, but it just wasn't fitting right. And so if we're going to walk in the steps, then we need to know what those steps are. You with me? And if I don't know what they are, how do I know if I'm walking in them? You could accidentally walk in them, hit the thing, bam, get an answer and not even know why, not be able to repeat it. Get something from God because you didn't, you stumbled onto them, you with me, instead of knowing them. So let's look here what these steps are. Now I'm going to read 13 through about 18, and then I'm going to go back. It says, For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed or his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law or the keeping of the rules are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law or speed limit sign, we said this last week, there's no transgression. Right? Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace or a gift, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law or the covenant, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, or we could say who walk in the steps of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now, just a side thought, he's telling us right there, Abraham is not only the father of the nation of Israel, he is the father of those who walk in the faith he had too. And then it goes on to say, verse 17, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations, not just that one, in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Verse 18, Who contrary to expectation, in expectation or hope, believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what had been spoken or what was spoken, so your descendants will be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old at this point, 99, or the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in his faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. So that's a lot of stuff right there. And I went through it last week to clarify a number of things in there, but now we're going to jump forward and now just look at the steps Abraham took. You with me? We already know we're faith people. The promises that were given to Abraham were not just for the Jewish people, but they're for us too, who walk in faith. So 
let's just look real quick at the steps of his faith. If I know the steps of his faith, then I can walk in that faith. You with me? And if faith is being convinced of what you do not see, of the things that are unseen, their reality, we can walk in these steps and see unseen realities become real in our life. Notice Romans 4.12 talks about the faith he had. And there were steps to his faith. Verse 13 tells us the first step of his faith. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed or his descendants through the law. So notice the very first thing that we need if we're going to walk in his steps of the faith he had was we need a promise from God. We need something in the Bible that promises us something or says, this belongs to you. You know, there's thousands of scriptures, hundreds of scriptures that tell us things that God says, I have provided this for you, and they're not always a reality in a person's life. We go back to this because it's broad to everyone, Salvation is provided for everyone. That is a spiritual reality that is not real to everybody. They may even know about it. But the first thing that anybody needs to know to walk in the steps that Abraham walked in of faith is the first thing you need to know is you have to have a promise. And a promise that we look at are not based on keeping the law. They're not based on how perfect you are. They're actually just words given by God saying, this is what I did, this is what I bought, this is what I paid for, this is who you are. These promises, if we're going to walk in His footsteps... We need a promise. And understand this, the promise he was given did not look like how he was at that moment. You with me? Number two, but this is really 2B. Like the letter B. Verse 16 says this, For if those who are of the law are heirs, in other words, if the people who work hard enough, good enough, keep every commandment are the ones who are heirs, then faith is void. Then you don't need faith. Isn't it interesting how many people disqualify themselves from God's blessing? They hear a promise, but then they say, I'm not good enough. This right here says these promises are not based on how good you can perform. They're based on the fact that God gave them, do you have faith? And so he said, for if those, verse 14, if those who are of the law or the keeping of the rules are the heirs, faith is made void and the promise is made of no effect. 
And he goes on to talk about how this promise is a gift, it's grace. We would never tell people, you know, like I told that story about that dream I had where when I was at the church in California, they would do a pastor appreciation thing. And we got cool gifts for the pastor, but I had this dream that one time it was my turn for some reason, you know, I'm the guy. And uh, you ever had a dream that's just not God, but they seem real, real? But you ever notice those dreams that seems like they change direction randomly? Anybody ever have those? Well, I, it's always, well, uh, don't tell us that. No, but anyway, I had this dream that, that the church got me a new car. And I'd always kept, like I had a work truck, but then I had a car, but I never let on that I had a truck. Because, you know, then they'll call on me to do everything, work on this, work on that. I was already doing enough. And uh, then I thought everybody else is going to say, oh, he's got a truck, ask him, and I'm just going to be overly busy. And so they got me a car. Now, Hyundais today are as good, maybe better than Toyotas and Hondas. But back in that time, they were horrible. They were. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't go out of business. They had to change their techniques, you know, 10 years, 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. They'll guarantee that car. Now we find out they fixed their product. They're a superior product today. Back then, they were horrible. They didn't last. They were horrible. And guess what kind of car they bought me? Hyundai. And it's like brown and gold. And I was like, oh, that's not. Because I always think when I get a car, I don't want something that gets dirty and looks dirty. And I was like, oh. And you, you're getting this car, so you got to act nice. And it's a four-door. So I'm like, cool. And then right in the middle of the dream, it turned into a car with a bed of a truck. Serious. And I was like, okay, keep smiling, keep smiling. Oh. And I'm up there on the platform, and everybody's like, woo, yay, we got this truck, for car, truck thing. And I'm like, ah. Oh. And then all of a sudden they go and they said, and not only that, your payments, and I remember the amount, will be $176 a month. And I remember standing in the dream thinking, keep smiling, and thinking, I don't want to pay $170. I don't want to pay anything for this. I thought it was a gift. <laughs> Serious. I was panic-stricken when I woke up. I thought, I don't want to go back to church. <laughs> this could be the Sunday. I get that thing. But it seems so real. But how many of you know that's no gift in many ways? But it's no gift when they make you pay for it, work for it. And so that's what he's trying to say here. If it's of faith, it can't just be by you how good you are keeping the law. But how often has that been mixed in there and it's hindered people's faith? Totally. And so he said that this way it could be sure to all. Because all can trust and believe. Not all are going to be perfect. Well, somebody could have said amen and then said, see, he's talking about you. You didn't have to say it was about you. So the first thing is we need a promise. The second thing is we need faith. And we know this, faith comes 
when we believe something that we hear. It's faith is an inward conviction of something's reality before you see it. So I can have an inward conviction of a reality. How do I get the inward conviction? This is why I said 2B, but then 2A is this. Verse 17 says this. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. This is that promise again. In the presence of him whom he believed, God. Notice that phrase, he believed God. What did he believe about God? Did he just believe in God? No, he believed the promise, the thing that God said. When he believed what God said, listen, he didn't see the answer. He did not experience the answer. All he had was a word that your descendants are going to be like this, and this is how it's going to be for you. He believed. Believing is not seen. In other words, you could say he accepted as fact what God had said. He just said, in other words, you could say this, he had a good attitude toward the things God said toward him, and he just openly accepted it without even having a reference of seeing anything, having any kind of experience in the senses, you know, like could you have a couple of, you know, kids run by right now or something that would help me? No, just nothing. Could Sarah look 10 years younger? Could I look 10 years younger? No signs, not about his works. All it had to do with, he first got a promise and he had faith, but the way he got faith was he just accepted at face value what God said. His attitude was right toward what God said. And he said, I believe it. Believing is not seen because remember the faith we possess when we believe something says it's real and I don't even see it yet. It's a reality. It's a reality. So really, you know, Step two is really one thing. He believed and had faith. But they are separable. The faith that we read about in Hebrews 11 is the attitude toward what God said. Then when he says it and I believe it, I get confident, right? If they say your package is shipped, it's in the mail. If you accept what they say, you're believing it. How many people after have gone and told? Yeah. And we said this last week. How many people had a call into the office by a boss and they said, we're going to give you X amount of dollars extra. It'll show up in your paycheck and, you know, because this paycheck's out and you get paid every two weeks. It'll show up in four weeks. You know, you just got your paycheck. So in about four weeks, you're going to see another thousand dollars a month two hundred and fifty dollars a week and you're going to see that in your check how many people whether it's a courier's package they say it's on the way wait to see it no they say man it's in the mail it's mine (laughs) it's mine you know people wouldn't go home and go i'm not telling anybody about this they'd tell their wife they'd tell their kids they would start 
finding relief to pressure. Because they think, my financial situation has changed. Let me ask you this, has it? No. All you got was a word. But you believe the word of your boss. Abraham believed the word of God. So he was just as confident as you would if your boss said, you're getting $250 more a week. Or, hey, the package is in the mail. He didn't wait to get confident about it. When he believed it, that brought confidence. Not the scene. Not the scene did not bring confidence. The believing what God said brought the confidence. So step three is this. And it's in verse 19. And, and in there we see that anybody can believe because this way the promise can be sure to all, he said. Sure to all. That means everybody can believe. Because you know what? When you say, I don't believe what God said in His Word, I don't believe that's mine, I don't, you know that's believing. That's believing. God calls that unbelief because you chose not to believe Him, but you chose to believe something that said God is not true in this case. But it is just believing. And then when you believe it, you get confident that it's not true. Right? In other words, you get faith in the opposite. You get an inward, no, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. So you can tell our attitude toward the Word is huge. So, step three, and we can do that. We can change quick, too. We'll probably read some of that stuff and look at that later on. But notice this, uh, verse 19, after he got this inward confidence from believing, it says this, verse 19, and not being weak in faith or this inward reality, which came because he believed the promise, he did not consider his own body. Because, see, his body was saying one thing, God said something else, he believed that, so you know what? He quit focusing on the thing that was contrary to whatever the promise was. Notice that. These are steps. He got a promise. He believed the promise. It gave him a confidence, even though he hadn't seen. So what he did then was he quit focusing on the seen, the physically seen, experienced thing. He considered not his own body dead neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. And it says, he did not, verse 20, waver at the promise of God. So what helped his faith once he had it was what he focused on or what he did not focus on. And I'll tell you what, that had to be a choice. He got an inward confidence by accepting God's word. He's like, yes, I'm the father of many nations. And then his body said, no, you're not. And he chose not to put his focus there. So that was the third thing he did. After he accepted it, he quit focusing on the wrong thing. The fourth thing he did was he even got stronger in his faith. Now, you understand, these things have to be in order. In other words, you can't focus on the wrong thing and think you're going to get stronger in your faith. 
you're not. But he got stronger after he accepted the word because he kept his focus. And I'll tell you what, there will be challenges in your life. Well, how do you feel about this? What does it look like? Well, don't consider it, but then notice what he did in verse 20, and it made his faith or that inward confidence get stronger and stronger. It said, verse 20, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief or focus on the wrong thing, but was strengthened in faith or in that inward reality, giving glory to God. He didn't focus on the wrong But he got his focus on God and on the answer, and he started glorifying him. Thank you, Lord, what you said. I believed it. That's how I got this inward confidence. Thank you. He chose not to focus on the wrong, but to focus on the right, and he started giving glory to God. That was step four. He also believed God was able to perform it, too. But really, step five is where we're going to end here today. And these things are important because you can tell where you're at and you can tell where the challenges will be in your faith. You with me? Because these are real. Step five is actually in verse 17. Notice this. It says this. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of God, whom he believed, God, notice this phrase, who gives life to the dead, and he calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Notice this, God calls things that do not exist as though they already did. Notice what he said, while Abraham couldn't even have a baby And his wife couldn't. You, I have already made you the father of many nations. See, this will blow your mind. But you got to know God set this thing in the spiritual world and it's over there real. And he said, like, think about it. By whose stripes you were healed. Oh, but wait a minute. But wait a minute. He became poor so you might have great provision. But wait a minute. He said, you have died to sin. No, I'm struggling with it. But notice, God calls those things which are not as though they were. He's not denying how things are, but he calls them like they're not. And he gives life to the dead. Isn't that interesting? Abraham was called the father of a multitude. I've made you that. And for years he couldn't have a baby. Now we all look back and think how wonderful it is this nation came and and this promise came to pass. But he walked in those footsteps and that's what made him get stronger. Do you know if you go read back in the book of Hebrews, he got so strong in his faith by living out these principles that later on in his life, as his child was born and grew, he got to the point where he had faith to believe God to raise a dead person. Not just get strength for his body to have a baby. He kept walking in these footsteps, believing the things that God promised, having a promise, believing them getting an inward conviction, not focusing on the problem, focusing on God, giving glory, and then he did this, and we have to too. 
this thing right here, number number five. Verse 17, God called these things which be not as though they were. But he couldn't have a baby. Here's what you need to understand. Whose name is written there that we keep reading about? Abraham, right? Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. The whole time we're reading about this, we're reading about who? Abraham. We're, We're reading about Abraham. I mean, we used to sing songs. I wasn't there, but our children's church in California, and they'd sing the song, Abraham had many sons. Father Abraham, and you are one of them, so am I. So let's just praise the Lord. That's my version. But the words are correct. But anyway, so we would sing this. And we would sing about who? Father Abraham. Abraham, Abraham. Who's mentioned all the way through here? Abraham. 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 Genesis 17, way back there, first book in the Bible, verse 5. This is God speaking to him when he gave him these promises and gave him this covenant. He said, no longer shall your name be called Abram. You know, that was his name. Do you know Peter had a name before Peter? And Jesus changed his name when he met him, too. Because his name before meant shifting. That's what we need, a guy who's got no good foundation. So he's changed his name to Peter of Petros or a rock. But look at Peter's life. He was the shifting sand guy, no foundation guy. Jesus changed his name. Isn't it interesting? Paul's name was changed. Names mean more in the Bible than they do today. But there were purposes behind them. And so he said, from now on, no longer shall your name be called Abram. But your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of many nations. Now, he's calling this. So God appears or speaks to him, does this. Abraham changes his name from Abram to Abraham. Abram means exalted father. Abraham means a father of a multitude. See, that's what God promised him. So guess what Abraham did after that? Hey, what's your name? My name's Abraham, father of a multitude. Can you have kids? Uh, No. The whole time he's saying it, he's believing what he cannot see. He's making all his servants call him Abraham. He's calling himself Abraham. He is convinced of what he does not see, and now he's starting to do what God did and say things that do not exist as though they did. Isn't it interesting for a person to get born again? They have to do this very thing. They have to confess and say, Jesus, you are my Lord. But he's not. You have to call him that 
And then he said, then you'll be saved. Notice you have to say it, believing it first, then you get it. Isn't that interesting how Jesus taught on prayer and faith? He said, if anybody would say to this mountain, be removed. Now, the mountain has to be standing there to say remove. Be removed and be cast into the sea. So you say it before you see it. Does not doubt in his heart, but believes that the things he says will come to pass, and they haven't come to pass yet, but, but he said, you got to say it first. He'll have whatever he says. You know, if you're saved and you struggle with an addiction, you know what you can do? Read the Bible, and you'll find that the Bible said you have actually already died to sin. But people will be quick to do this. Oh, I'm a Christian. My name's David. What's your name? I, how are you? Oh, how's your walk with God? Oh, let me tell you, I struggle with sin. They're quickly, boldly declaring not what God said. And they wonder why they keep struggling with it. Why not in your own time start getting bold and say, I'm dead to sin. You said I am. This thing cannot rule me. And give glory to God. And notice what it said halfway through our thing, number three, four. You can get stronger in your faith. You can get stronger in your faith. And this is talking about believer's faith. You can get stronger in your faith. And isn't it interesting? He said, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith or our believing based on promises, the unseen realities based on truth. We accept them as fact and wham. Will it always happen overnight? No, as you're growing in it, it won't. But I'll tell you what, you can resist and he'll flee the enemy. You can grow in this. We all can. But it takes those steps. 